As I said earlier, my name's Joe Crummy, and on behalf of our church, welcome to Christ Central Church, and greetings to those participating online. Thanks for being with us. And today we're going to continue with our formation series, The Way of Jesus, and we've been wrestling through this whole sort of concept and understanding of we become what we behold. So what we look at, what we fixate on, what we focus on really changes us. And so we've been asking the questions about who are we really following? And so we're all following someone, something in this life. What do we give our time and our energy to? So asking some of those questions, what do, you know, what really drives us? What do we put our hope and our purpose and our priorities into or on? Because who we follow or what we follow forms and shapes us. Whether we know it or not, we're always being formed and shaped and molded. And what we follow or who we follow and what shapes and molds us bears fruit in our lives. And that fruit can be good or it can be bad. And that fruit affects us, but it also affects those around us. So some pretty serious things for us to be looking at. And for those of us who are Christ followers, and I know some of us are on this whole sort of bandwidth of just even exploring who Jesus is, discovering who Jesus is. Some of us are early days in that. Some of us have been following Jesus for a long time. But one of the things that we find in this journey of following Jesus is how important this knowledge, but not just the knowledge, the reality of our identity affects everything. Our identity is key to our behavior and our lifestyle and our actions. Our identity shapes our purpose and our values and security. So who we are and that significance and where we belong and acceptance and all those things really affects us. And sometimes we don't understand if we're not secure in our identity, some of the things we've just been singing about this morning, that can affect our behavior in everyday life. And such things sometimes as anxiety and how stress can get us and how those things that can be shaken rattle us. And a lot of times it comes down to because we're not secure in who we are. So we have some decisions and some choices. And so what we've been trying to do is create some space to reflect and to process and to say, really take some time to look deep and say, okay, where is my identity? And also we've been asking the question and sort of against culture is, who have we been allowing to shape and form our identity? Because folks, and God, you know, I say this every time, but it's true, the Bible's full of it. There's a battle going on for your life. There's a battle going on for your soul. There's a battle going on for your identity. Between good and evil, between heaven and hell, between Jesus and Satan, there's no neutral ground. There's a battle going on. And it's my role and responsibility to help us be aware of this battle. So we're looking at the last couple of weeks and last week we were looking at this. In our society here in the West, culture very much our identity is sort of defined by this phrase, be true to yourself, or some form of that. Be true to yourself. So we hear that a lot. I'm just being true to myself, just being true to who I am. And we were looking at last week, you know what, folks? That's a lot of pressure to figure out who you are. And a lot of times it's based on our feelings, which go up and down. A lot of times it's based on really what culture around us says. It's really based on our performance and our achievements. And we realize it's very, very fragile and vulnerable. And if anyone comes against you and says, 
anything against your identity, whew, we can experience rejection and actually we begin to hate others and we defend our identity. And what we've been looking at as a follower of Jesus, is there a different way? <laughs> is there a different way from how culture says you've got to figure out who you are on your own and man, that's a lot of pressure. Is there a different way? And Jesus comes along and he says this, wouldn't it be better if we let God define who we are? And those are some of the things we've been singing about this morning, that there is a different way. And we've been saying this, we need to behold and we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And as I said before in the preface of this, it's okay for us to feel the feels and it's okay and sometimes, and we've encouraged it, sometimes we've got to figure out sometimes what we're feeling actually can be a tool to help us. But if we're looking inward for our identity, we need to be looking upward to Jesus. And this morning, I just want to again lift our heads and point us to Jesus. Because, folks, this is the thing, and we're going to come at it a bunch of different ways, but this is, there's no hidden tricks here or agenda. This is it. If we know who the person of Jesus is, then we know who we are as the people of God. That's our identity, which then affects our purpose and our priorities and our passions and our practices. And we begin to understand, just as Gary was sharing through the worship, God speaking to us, I've not failed you and I've not left you as orphans. I am with you individually and together as a church. And last week we looked at one aspect of Jesus, that he's the word, he's the creator. Physically, Jesus spoke creation into being and spiritually Jesus speaks today and we're born of his Holy Spirit. And you and I in Christ, if we're followers of Jesus, as we looked at last week, we're a new creation. Hallelujah. The old is gone. Behold, Jesus makes things new and that's good news. No matter what our past is, no matter even if we're stuck, as we talked about, being stuck in Adam, our first father, Jesus takes us out of that, and we're now in Christ, and he puts us, and we're united with Christ, and he puts his spirit within us, and we're a new creation. Woo! There, we can go home right there. Another aspect we want to look at today as we point to Jesus, as we behold Jesus, as we fix our gaze on Jesus, is this. Jesus is the son of God. God. And because Jesus is the Son of God, as we follow Jesus and as we're in Christ, He allows us to become sons of God. And folks, this morning I'm going to use the term Son of God, even though we're sons and daughters, but in biblical terms, Son, the way it was in that culture and who Jesus talked to, the Son received the inheritance. And so for this morning, I'm just going to use that term, but please know that's gender inclusive on that that Jesus is the Son of God, as we're in Christ, we become sons of the living God. So let's unpack that a little bit. So first of all, let's read this morning's scripture. We're going to turn to John chapter 1 again, and we're going to read John 1, verses 1 to 14. So if you're able, we're going to have this up on the screen. Why don't you read this with me, okay? It just helps you engage, and it's good to read God's Word together. So this is John writing about Jesus, and so let's read this together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well done. Woo! All right, so briefly, let me just look at a couple of things and how that applies to our lives today. One, I'm just going to state the obvious. Jesus is the Son of God, so Jesus is God. So that might be making it really, really simple. But sometimes, and for the past 2,000 years, there's been a real struggle with both sides of this same coin that Jesus is God and Jesus is human. Fully God, fully human, that's what makes Jesus unique. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of Mary, a woman. Jesus is God. Because throughout history, most of things that have been skewed in Christianity is this. Either Jesus isn't God or Jesus was never really human. And Christianity proclaims Jesus is fully God, fully human, unique in history. He wasn't just a created being. We're trying to say right from John 1 that we just read, in the beginning, Jesus, the work was with God. He is eternal. Jesus is not just our model and example, which he is. He is God. He's not a hireling to do God's work. He's not just a servant. Jesus and the creeds throughout Christian history have proclaimed that Jesus is God. The Son is one being with the Father, just as we read. So let me just read a couple other scriptures to go along with that. Hebrews 1.3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. How is everything sustained? Because Jesus is God by his powerful word. It was spoken to creation, and Jesus sustains everything. John 8, 58, in Jesus' day, there were all kinds of claims about Jesus, and Jesus did a radical thing. He actually called God my Father, and everyone was like, ah, you can't say that. And the Jews of his day said, Jesus, are you saying that you're greater than our father Abraham? And Jesus said this radical statement, before Abraham was born, I am. And they were going to kill him right there. Because you can't say that. Either you're really, really out there or it's true. There's, there's no in-between. Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus powerful statements. In John 14, you can read John 14, 15, 16, 
Jesus is saying to his followers, if you see me, if you know me, then you know the Father. And he said this radical statement, I and the Father were one. I and the Father are one. And more and more people didn't follow Jesus. <laughs> Folks, I could go on and on, but we just need to state at the beginning, Jesus, the Son of God, is God. Second thing, boy, we could spend the whole week on this. Jesus, the Son of God, is the treasure. We talked about this a bit last week. Folks, this is, we have to hope, convey this. The Father loves His Son. The Father loves His Son with such an incredible intensity. It's such a powerful relationship. Just listen to some of these things from God's Word. John 17, 24. Jesus says this in His high priestly prayer. He says, to the Father, because you loved me before the creation of the world. That's that love that's everlasting to everlasting. The Father really loves the Son. Matthew 3, 17, at Jesus' baptism, we said this before, God's voice came from heaven, this is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't done anything yet for His Father. There was no ministry yet. It's not based on performance. It's freely given. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What a father's blessing. Ephesians 1, 6, Mark preached through this earlier in Ephesians. It says, we are in Christ adopted as sons and that it's all through grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. The father has given us that grace freely in the one he loves which is Jesus Isaiah 42, the things were prophesied before Jesus was in the flesh. And we read them, but sometimes we don't. Isaiah prophesied, here is my servant whom I uphold, as God was speaking, my chosen one in whom I delight. He loves his son. He delights in his son. Jesus, the son of God, is eternally loved. And he's the one who shows us the most loving father in heaven. I'm going to read this quote from Michael Reeves. He says this, I think it's on the next slide. If there is nothing more precious to the Father than him, that is Jesus, there cannot be any blessing higher than Jesus or anything better than Jesus. In every way, Jesus himself must be the very great reward of the gospel. Jesus is the treasure of the Father shared with us. So let's just dwell on that one for a moment. Because I don't know about you, but I always think Jesus is the way to the Father, and I get to the Father, but then it's like me, 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 me. It's like, Jesus, what can you do for me? And sometimes Jesus is at salvation, and then I can honestly, I mean, you think our, the name of our church is Christ Central. You would think it would be in here and in here. But folks, I look for all kinds of other things than Jesus. But if this statement's really true, if there is nothing more precious to the Father than Jesus, there cannot be any blessing higher than Jesus or anything better than Jesus. 
In every way, Jesus himself must be the very great reward of the gospel. Jesus is the treasure of the Father shared with us. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. And folks, that relationship they want to share with their creation, you and I. And that leads to the next thing. Jesus is the Son of God. Their sonship. Jesus' relationship with his Father is the good news and salvation is that Jesus brings us into a relationship with his Father. It's not just what we're saved from, which is pretty powerful, as we looked at last week. We're saved from sin and the power of sin. We're saved from the power of death. We're saved from being connected with Satan. That's incredible. We're saved from all those things, but we're saved into becoming sons of the living God. As the Father shares with us His Son, so the Son shares His relationship with the Father. Folks, have you ever been in a situation, I have this quite a bit, that you know this group of friends, and you know a different group of friends, but they don't know each other, but you're like, if I could just bring these friends together, it would bring me so much joy because I know they would get along so well. Have you ever had that situation? I have that. I'm like, I've got friends in the Wolfville Church and in the Charlottetown Church that many of you don't know. And I'm like, oh, if you could only get to know them. And I'm in, when I'm in Charlottetown or Wolfville or some other place, I'm like, if you could just know our people in Fredericton, you guys would get along so well. I just long for you to meet each other and to enjoy one another. Because I know it would be great. And when it happens, guess what? It's great. And I sit back and go, I knew, I told you. It would be so great. I knew you guys would love being together. And I'm excited. I'm like, I just can't wait for us, for these people to meet together. The Father shares the Son, and the Son shares his relationship with his Father. Folks, that's the good news. And we could go on and on to say, That's why God created human beings, male and female, in his image, to share that love and that relationship. Adam and Eve sinned, didn't obey God, tempted. There's something better. God's holding out on you. There's something better than just God himself. And there's consequences when we disobey God, and there's separation, and then there's that hole in our heart, and we lack purpose and meaning. We look for our identity and everything else but God, and then we're like, God, if you were really real, I don't know if I trust you, I've been so jaded and so many things have happened to me. God, I don't think it's easier to believe something else than you. And God's saying, if you only knew my son. And the son's saying, if you only had a relationship with my father, you would know why you're made. You would know why you're here on planet Earth. And all through the Old Testament and the Bible, it's pointing to Jesus. So all the Old Testament is God saying, I want a people for myself. I want the whole earth to be filled with my glory. And we're going to have a rescuer coming, a savior coming, who's not going to just save you from sin and death and Satan, but he's going to bring you back into relationship with me as children of God. Whew. Jesus is truly the beloved son of God. And Jesus can make us beloved sons of God. 
Just think about it. Matthew, Mark, Luke show the key events in Jesus' life being all about his identity as the Son of God. As a child, do you remember this? I read this this week in Luke 2. I can't even believe this is in God's Word, okay? Jesus, as a 12-year-old or so, his parents, they go to the temple and they leave and they think Jesus was somebody else. We have, that's happened a few times here on a Sunday morning. Parents leave and think, oh, I thought my kid was going and I'm left going, okay, we've got someone. This happened to Jesus, so it's all good. Jesus left, parents go away, and then the parents are, and folks, as a mom, the Bible records it, Mary was stressed out. If you read it, she's like, she was stressed. And she actually gets short with Jesus, in my interpretation of how you read that. You can read that this week in Luke 2. And she says to Jesus, as only a mother can do, where were you? Why did you stay? We were so worried about you. We were stressed out. We were freaking out. We were anxious. Jesus, that's my translation. And Jesus is there teaching all the teachers of the law. What does he say? I had to be in my father's Jesus' baptism, I already read it, and then at his transfiguration, God declares that you're my beloved son. It's a little bit funnier, the transfiguration one, because then God adds this, listen to him. Maybe he didn't say it quite like that, but this is my son whom I love. Listen to him, because he's the son of God. Folks, even the devil in the wilderness, Matthew 4, 6, what was his temptation? If you are the Son of God. Satan knew who Jesus was. If you are the Son of God. Folks, always be careful if you get a voice in your head that says, if. On trial, the high priest asked Jesus, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? That's what he was on trial for. And Jesus said, I am. At Jesus' death, the centurion saw how Jesus died and said, surely this man was the son of God. In the eternal, eternal son of God, we find the exact imprint of his father's being. We see what God is truly like. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. So why is all this important? Why am I trying to just demonstrate from God's word Jesus is the Son of God, He's truly God, He's the treasure, there's sonship involved. Because the good news of Jesus is this, through His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, His reign right now, and His coming again, He defeated sin and death, He defeated Satan, He ushers in a new kingdom, which we're gonna take a look at in a couple of weeks, He gets us out of our first father, Adam, and he gets us into Christ. We're a new creation. And not only are we a new creation, we become a son of God. Because sometimes you can just think, if we stopped last week, we're a new creation in Christ. That's good news. But you kind of feel like sometimes then you're on your own. (laughs) God's kind of like, oh, I took you in the shop. I fixed you out, and I'm going to send you out. You know, you're rebooted. You're rebuilt. But see ya. Son 
Father family. Jesus brings us into a relationship with God that we can actually know God as Father and we have the rights as sonship. And folks, here's the good news. No matter what your background is, and some of you were born into very difficult circumstances, some of you were born and you heard this growing up, you were a mistake, we never meant to have you, terrible, cursed things that mess us up. But when we become a son of God, what did we just read in John 1, 12 to 13? John writes this, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not out of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Folks, no matter what your background, what you were born into, what you weren't born into, whether you think you were a mistake or people have told you that, when you're born of God, God has chosen you. You hear that? God has chosen you. And when the Bible says the old passes away and behold, all things become new, your identity isn't built on I wasn't meant to be here, I was a mistake. It was built on God has chosen me. And that's so much not bragging about yourself, that's putting God's a good God. What a father. What a savior. We can all become in Jesus sons of God, children, sons and daughters who receive the rights and privileges and the responsibilities of being a son. How can we become sons? Because we share in Jesus' sonship. Remember we talked about when we become born again, we become united with Jesus Christ. Legally, family. Our standing before God is the same as Christ, no matter what our background or our starting place, whether that's man or woman, or whether in our culture, no matter what on that spectrum you find yourself, or even if you consider yourself non-binary, you can be born again. Young or old, rich or poor, English, French, indigenous, Western, Eastern, doesn't matter our starting place. God desires a people for himself from all nations, all nations, all cultures, all background, all people groups, every tongue, tribe, and nation. In Christ, God is our Father, and other Christians are our family. And our problems of our identity, who we are and where we belong, and our acceptance and security are now solved because we are sons of the living God. And that's our number one identity. And the good news is this, just in closing. There becomes a family likeness. And so I could come to you this morning, and I do. I've got my birth certificates of my boys, which legally declares they're my sons. So I could do that. I could just say, well, legally, they're my sons. But hopefully, in reality, it's more than just a legal thing, isn't it? They're my sons legally. How do I know Noah and Jared here this morning? There's a family likeness. And as Gail Pilgrim would say, when she sees my boys, they're better looking than you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which I have to agree with. They got a lot of their mother thrown in, okay? 
There's a family likeness, but there's not just a family likeness in looks. As you get to know my guys, guess what? Hey, when they do this, they're a lot like you. They're a lot like Angela. They're a personality, their character, their sense of humor, because we have relationship and we know one another. And folks, Christianity is more than just head knowledge. It's more than just knowing these things, which is, that's an important part of it, but it's more than just a legal thing. It's relationship. I love my son. I love spending time with them. I love them, and I know them, and they know me. Folks, there's a family likeness. And everything we've been doing in this formation over the last couple of years and developing a framework of life and patterns and practices and all of that, do you see how it all fits into this context is, I want to create time to be with Jesus and my Father. I want to understand that Jesus is with me everywhere I go, at my workplace, in my sports. I want to know that what God's developing in me, as Jackie was sharing this morning, is for the sake of others. And here's just some benefits of being a son of God, a child of God. We take on the family likeness of Jesus and our Father in heaven. God puts his spirit in us, which leads us and changes us. We can be free from fear because we know that we're loved as a son of God. We can know God's love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We can know that we know that we know that God loves us. We can be certain of God's acceptance of us. Not only does God love us, he likes us. We are united with Christ. We're co-heirs with Jesus. You know what that means? It means we are a part of getting his inheritance. We are called to be like Jesus. We want to be like our elder brother, Jesus. We receive discipline from a loving father. John talked about that during worship, didn't he? God loves us so much. He's not going to let us ruin our lives. He loves us. He guides. He corrects. He rebukes. All because he loves us. It proves and demonstrates his love. We receive good gifts from a loving father. We're placed into a family. And we can call out as we pray. Abba, Father. Folks, we can be thankful, joyful. We can delight. And I hope as part of knowing and loving in this relationship, there's a desire to share this good news with others. Can I just say this morning as we're going to take communion together, don't miss out. We can miss out by being so focused on other things, we miss Jesus. Sometimes we can be so focused on just knowing the head knowledge, we miss the heart. And folks, we don't want our identity put on anything else that's so easily shaken. I love that song we were singing. Through these hard times and difficult, I've never been more glad that I've put my faith and trust in Jesus, that I'm building my house on the rock of Jesus Christ. And even though the rains come and the winds and the storms come, and they do and they will, my roots are deep 
in Jesus. Folks, this morning we can believe by faith, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You really are God. You're the treasure. The Father loves you. And in sonship, I'm adopted and brought into you. And the Father loves me. And that changes everything. I love this quote. We'll end with this. Because sometimes I get this, Joe, why do you speak honestly? Like, why do you, why is the focus so much on Jesus? And the focus is so much on Jesus for this reason. Our salvation is only as good as it is because Jesus is who he is. So we're going to spend a lot of time on who Jesus is in order for us to line up with who he is because our salvation is only as good as it is because Jesus is who he is. All right. Well, we're going to share in communion together. And so hopefully you've received a cup on the way in. If not, I'm going to ask Kelly. She's got some more. So I'm just going to take a moment. If you're watching online, you can go get some juice or some wine and some bread. And Kelly's going to come, and so if you need one, you can just put your hand up. If maybe you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus yet. That's okay. You can stay with us. You don't need to take part. You can just observe. And this is what we do as Christians and as a family of God, is that the Bible instructs us to remember Jesus' death and his resurrection, and that's what we're doing. And so on the top, you have to unpeel carefully on top, the bread is here. So Kelly, we've got a few more over here as well. When you're, And the bread represents the body of Christ, the Bible says, that was broken. So when Jesus died on the cross, his body was broken. He paid the penalty for sin. The juice, the wine, represents his shed blood that Jesus actually had to die. That was the payment for that sin and for the power of sin to be broken, for the payment of sin to be paid, for the power of the devil to be broken over our lives, for us to be, have an access to God as Father. And I believe the scripture is up there that we can just read together. From 1 Corinthians 11, Paul gave this instructions to the church. So why don't we just read this together? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So why don't we just take a moment, and you can take the top part, you can take the bread. And where you are with those around you, you can just share together, you can give thanks, we'll take a moment. And again, you can give thanks for Jesus' body that was broken, his death for us. Okay, why don't we do that together?
And in the same way, we take the cup and we remember and we give thanks for Jesus' blood that was shed for us. We're bought with his blood. So again, let's take a moment where you are. You can just give thanks where you are. You can whisper prayer to God just giving thanks or with those around you. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, this morning we give thanks and we remember your death on the cross. We remember your perfect life that you lived in obedience to your Father. We thank you that you were both Son of God, Son of Man. Thank you for your obedience, dying on the cross, your body broken, your blood shed for us, that you redeemed us, you bought us back, that you take us out of Adam and put us into you. We're so grateful. We thank you that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God raised you from the dead. You're resurrected Christ. You're now seated at the right hand of the Father. You're ruling and reigning. Your kingdom is coming more and more. Thank you that the government is upon your shoulders. Thank you that it's a government of peace that's ever increasing. We thank you that you have brought us into this family, that you've adopted us, and that we're now sons of the living God. We're grateful we're thankful, we rejoice, we celebrate. Lord, we live in the good of the legality of becoming, having the rights as sons of God. But Lord, we enjoy knowing you and being known by you. Thank you, Lord. And we remember that you are coming again. Lord, may we live our lives in the light of that truth and reality. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.